the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. When this is all over, his name will be forgotten. A blood stain on the sidewalk, a man in a coffin, justice may be blind. But the apple's still rotten They'll wipe the slate clean Till it's pure white as cotton They'll dig up his past All his feelings Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl A free-flowing conversation About the creative process With creative people This is episode 101 And our guest for the second time, is Tennessee Jet. Tennessee Jet is a singer and songwriter from Oklahoma, whose latest record, his fourth full-length LP, is a gorgeous collection of songs called South Dakota. TJ spent a lot of quarantine consuming records, and while he enjoyed many of those releases, none of them were capturing what he was feeling in the moment. So he set out to make such an album, and I'm so glad he did. The result is a stripped-down performance meant to capture the moment. Imperfect, but powerful and poignant. TJ, a guitar, and sometimes his harmonica are the instruments that lay his complex characters bare. In this episode, we talk about the process of making South Dakota, the importance of considering all sides of an issue, and so much more. I always learn when I talk with Tennessee Jet, and this was no exception. Everyone, it is an honor to bring you my conversation with Tennessee Jet. We'll lose our directions, lives will be destroyed For accused imperfections, found guilty without trial But by a hashtag selection, in the name of a reckoning We'll make over corrections Oh, and my mind just gets numb beautiful man I, i've had so much thank you so much for the advanced listen i've just had so much fun listening to it awesome man i'm glad you dig it um let's kind of like i kind of like to start kind of big you know and then sort of sort of dial down um one of the things that struck me about it and um i know that you know part of this is probably related to just the times but the fact that your last record was like 
a lot going on. Dwight Yoakam's band and all these amazing guests and you tackled Poncho and Lefty with a plum and like all kinds of stuff. And, and then here it's you, a guitar, your, your voice, harmonica. And so I'm really curious about the, the inspiration for this record and, and then kind of maybe dive into like the difference in making, you know, in mindset in making those, those two very different records that are both so wonderful. Sure. Thanks, man. Yeah, the uh, probably probably two two part answer. One is that when I've been in the studio grind for like the country, you know, my last record took a good year and a half, two years to to make, and then even whenever it was done, because of the uh, the COVID situation, the release schedule got changed two or three times, and so it becomes a grueling process making records. And so I just wanted to get in the studio and get back to just doing something quick and not overthinking it not laboring too much on it uh, i wanted it to be right um, but just right in a different way and on south dakota uh we went in the studio i recorded it uh i co-produced it with my friend casey diorio in dallas and uh just wanted to record live performances didn't want to do any uh you know even with acoustic records a lot of times uh you can go in there and edit between a couple takes or maybe you like the last half of the song better than the first or whatever or better than the other version of it so you'll splice them together and so we made a few rules for ourselves on this one and one of them was like it's just going to be live takes you know performances if there's a, a flub or, or or any kind of imperfection we were going to not only not try to fix it but we were going to embrace it embrace all of it and there was and uh, we also set out to make a record with uh, no compression no computers uh, we didn't even use reverb on it. It's, we wanted it to be really, really raw and, and kind of evoke the feeling that uh, the lockdowns felt, you know, uh, that the lockdowns brought on. I, I was listening to music during the quarantine and a lot of new records that were coming out and they didn't really reflect what I was feeling at the time. Uh, they were very, a lot of slick, a lot of polish, a lot of like songs where the, the substance was maybe driven more towards like being popular on TikTok and things like that, where it's just more of like your light tunes. And that's fine. There's, there's a time and place for everything. Every song doesn't have to be, you know, the hard range going to fall or something. Um, but I just felt like you know, music should reflect the times. And so I wanted to make a record that as much as it could felt like a isolation uh, and just humanness. I felt like music was just not very human. And so we went in the studio and, like I said, tracked everything live on the floor, no computers and uh, no compression or reverb and just recorded a two inch tape with a bunch of really old tube mics and uh, tube preamps. And uh, and yeah, I just wanted to just wanted to have something that would kind of I wanted to make the record that I wanted to hear that I wouldn't hear. Mm. Mm. I, I, what you just described, I feel like, is exactly what I, I one of the things that. Sorry, my dog. Hey, 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 hey. Leave it. Leave it. Wait, give me the... Sorry. Oh, no sweat, man. We're at the rascal hour. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> what do you got, dog? Yeah, I got two. This is... Oh, sorry, baby. This is nonsense. <laughs> and, Look at uh... him. <laughs> and then conundrum. His name is Conundrum? Yeah, that one's name is Nonsense, and that one's name is Conundrum. <laughs> awesome. 
Yeah, they're great. They're great. Um, we had a dog. We had a wiener dog named Orson. And uh, one of the bright, bright things about the lockdown was I got to spend a good year just on the back porch with him, just sitting there doing nothing, drinking whiskey, writing songs and just hanging out. And if we had uh, if if it if the whole COVID thing hadn't happened, we'd have been on the road a lot. And so that was one of the silver linings. Well, you for sure. Yeah, you I mean, you, you had a, a record to tour, you know, that you didn't get to tour. So, yeah. I mean, you for sure would have been hustling, man. It's just there's so many silver linings. There really is like the fact that's such a beautiful scene you just described. And like, that's been my experience, too. And and I'm still pretty locked down, really. I work from home and no reason to travel. I, I traveled the last two weekends and it felt like I felt like a different person, you know, like <laughs> traveling because I haven't gone anywhere, you know, it felt so strange to like be out in the world. And like I went to Nashville for Americana Fest and then I went over to Gasparilla Music Fest in Tampa the next last weekend and I'm headed to Minneapolis this coming weekend. So it's like, but it feels completely different. But those moments, like the moments with these two little rascals, and just sitting with my pen and you know in my notebook and listening to records like how much music i have consumed in the last 21 months now i think somebody reminded me we've been at um after this is uh it, it's remarkable and it's been really inspiring for me yeah me too i think it's uh just got to try to find the try to find the good and everything and the uh i mean i've been kind of socially distancing my whole life really whenever <laughs> uh, whenever i'm not working i I kind of like solitude and just the quietness of it. Um, but yeah, there was a time when I was thinking like, you know, if this is as good as it gets, then this is enough. You know, mm -hmm. it was like back porch and, you know, it's like, it was really, really a blessing. And I think you got to try to find out, find the things that are, that really mean something, the real things, you know, mm -hmm. <clears throat> When you so kind of circling back and, and talking about the real things, when you were making this record and you set out to make a record that was going to capture sort of what you were feeling and what and that you did not necessarily see being made and and you and you left in the imperfections and, and you, you strayed away from the reverb, all those things, how comfortable because you 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 did the thing, man, you knocked that out of the park. How comfortable were you? during the process of sort of not having as much production and just letting it all out there raw? Well, I think you have to, you have to really commit to it. A lot of times I think people, and I've said too, you know, I really want to make a record like this because all my favorite records, they have mistakes or they're imperfect or they're like, you know, they're not perfectly gridded to a, uh, to a, they're not, they're not, time aligned and pitch tune things like that and and everyone always says that um, but it's a whole other deal when you actually commit to it and this one and i think sometimes it really helps uh, i had a co-producer on this record like i said same guy that he produced a handful of the songs in the country as well but uh, you need someone in there that really kind of understands you know what you're going for and so that, so it's not all on you to make every decision on whether or not something is like right or not and uh, Casey uh, is really good about just just honing in on the things that really matter, the things that people are going to feel. And it's all like emotion and feel with him. And uh, so you, but you've got to find someone that you can trust. 
And so we just got in there and, and it's, it's like anything you're going to, there's going to be certain performances where you're like, Oh, I can do that, that one better, you know, and you, you might technically be able to do it better. Um, but the emotion might not be on that take, you know? And so it was really on this record, it was just all about raw emotion and just kind of like laying it all out there and just, uh, bleeding on the record. And, uh, and also when you, when you record a tape and don't use computers and things like that, it just changed the whole workflow, the whole way you approach everything, because you're not going to go back in there and punch little sections. It's like, well, if you don't like it, just do the whole take again. You know, we're not going to get the razor blades out and cut tape on this. And we're just going to like, you know, pick the best performance and the one that we feel the most, and that's going to be the one that we're going to move on. So that was what we did. Well, and it, the thing that comes out to me, one the other thing that comes out to me is the fact that, um, you have such an incredible, I think I mentioned this last time we talked, you have this incredible ability to create worlds with characters and specifically to develop characters that your listener becomes invested in. Um, and this, this record is full of characters, just character after character that I, that you're just like, feel some connection to they're messy, you know, they're, they're, but they're resilient in ways. And there's just so much that I, that I love about these characters. I mean, I probably listened to Josephine a thousand times, man. I just <laughs> kept coming back to it and listening to it and thinking about that world and living in that world. And I think what's great about you making this choice from my perspective as a listener and a, and a, and a lover of your music is that I just like the stories are laid bare. There's just a real, I, I, and I, as you know, loved the country and sang its praises and continue to. But with this, it's like the the stories of these that, that you've that you've spun are just completely out there, and I, that's one of the things that I love. That's the thing I love the most about this. Awesome, man! Thank you. Yeah, I just I think there are certain songs that are better with a a big accompaniment, and you can really kind of like lean into whether it's the, the drum beat or like the big guitar riff or whatever. And some things need like just a, a bunch of harmonies and you kind of lift them up and you can make a song better like that. These songs just felt like they were better in this really stark mm. naked way um, and, and really abrasive at the times. It was kind of the, the idea. I didn't want it to be something that was so smooth. A lot of the songs are in a slower tempo. And so it was, a, we, we paid a lot of attention to like trying to make sure that like uh, the record would, would keep interest and keep a, uh, and there would be enough abrasiveness so you couldn't really there wouldn't be any lulls and so that's where a harmonica will really kind of like perk up the ears kind of keep you awake that's where some distortion when you really hit the tape hard when you're singing kind of just uh, inherently kind of speaks to your uh kind of speaks to a, a more rougher on the edges approach and i just feel like these songs need it because the characters are like that too the characters are imperfect characters and uh it was supposed to be you know, the intention was that the message of this record is that like, we're all imperfect and we need to, if, you know, if we can find out a way to like hold ourselves accountable, then we might actually make the world a better place. And mm. uh, if only our own individual world first um, and, and not, you know, we're in such a time of such division and uh, we've been trying division for a few years and it just ain't working. <laughs> and uh and so as an artist, I don't get, I don't get political. I, I consider myself apolitical. Um, I've got views all over the place and I've got friends of, of all different stripes. And, uh, and so as an artist, I just want to like, 
come up with questions. I don't necessarily want to be someone that tells everybody like what they're supposed to be uh, thinking or doing. Um, I just want to ask questions and I want, I like a dialogue because I think whenever people talk about things, that's whenever people can actually find some common ground and that's whenever people can see other people's perspectives that might uh, encourage them to, to uh, adopt them for their own. If it's, if it's the right perspective, you know? And so that's what I try to do as an artist. I don't think an artist's role is to ask is to uh, give answers as much as it is to ask questions. Man, <clears throat> so much there. Um, I'm glad you said it because I think I've been guilty. I mean, especially since 2015, right? Everything's been different since 2015. And uh, I think I've been guilty of um, really taking strong stances on things that are more nuanced than just for me to, to take a really strong stance one way or the other. I definitely don't consider myself apolitical and I definitely don't think the marinade's apolitical. I've, I've jumped in there quite a bit and I've been wrong too, though, sometimes, you know, and I've been thinking about that a lot, um, specifically with regard to, to guns, for example, like my, my views on gun policy keep changing and I, I keep trying to get more educated and get my head around it and make sense out of it. And today's kind of especially um, charged, of course, with what happened in Texas today with that school shooting. But, but I think it, it is important to hear you say what you just said and the, the, the asking questions thing to continue to ask those questions and that that art will spark questions and that the artist will spark questions and the listener or the consumer of that art just a like a quick anecdote from last night my partner's in uh, boston right now and she's a visual artist <clears throat> and um she was sitting at a bar having a glass of wine and she was sketching with a mechanical pencil and this guy um looked just was sitting near her and looked over at her and was like look i'm i'm married i have a kid i'm not hitting on you at all but that's a beautiful drawing and i'm struck by the fact that you were you were using a mechanical pencil and uh she, and, she, and he goes i've been telling my daughter who's a aspiring artist to not use mechanical pencils because it won't work and it won't turn out the same way. And she needs to use art pencils and she needs to make sure she's got the right equipment. And you just changed my mind. And I just feel really self-reflective about that. And it's a trivial example, right? It's just a mechanical pencil. But the questions that the art brought up for this man and the fact that he was self-reflective about it, I hope that we're at an inflection point where we can all kind of do more of that. I do too. I, I think ultimately, if it comes down to like whatever the topic is, if, if the conversation is going to yield one winner and one loser, then you're already kind of starting from a on the wrong foot. You know, it should just be more like, hey, we're two people that are both seeking, you know, if, if now there are people that are, that are going to use vision and thing. We're not talking about people that have a, a very particular agenda to take advantage of like people that are actually truly seeking things out. But uh, whether it's like, political things religion everything come from the standpoint of like let's both together like let's let's see what we can let's see what we we can encourage each other or maybe you'll bring up something i hadn't thought about or maybe i'll bring up something you hadn't thought about tell me about your life experiences why do you think the way that you do and i'll say the way that i, I do and if the the core result is that both of us will gain something then it's a it's a very productive dialogue but if the core result is this like one one person gonna say oh well i really burns you i really made you feel like shit and i feel great about myself and i won and i'm like posted here on this site and everyone else can say like yeah you won and that person's a loser 
it's just that's to me that's the problem and i think most people like if you just talk at them like across from a dinner table or or, or you know sharing a a drink or something most people can can empathize with other people and they, that doesn't mean they're going to change their mind and that doesn't mean that they they might not think that the other person's opinion is destructive um but you're just not going to get anywhere making the person feel like shit you've got to you know there's hopefully your ideas will be strong enough that the other person um will will find merit in those and i don't think that you can do that unless you also have the same open mind in this from the other side i think we're actually a lot i don't really, really think we are actually as divided as everyone thinks that we are i think that you know social media tells you that we're really divided but i mean like i said i've got friends that are all over the spectrum politically and we'll sit down and talk about things that we have in common and we'll like drink scotch and smoke cigars and you know or you know break bread and uh, and there are certain things that like i don't understand why they think that and and they've told me their reasoning and we're just never going to really come to agreement on it um, but I believe that they're good-hearted people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just, uh, and I and, and love them as friends. And I don't want to be around people that are just like me. I mean, I know what I think, you know. I've got <laughs> my perspectives. How am I going to grow as a person if I don't be around people who have different views than me? Oh, that's such a great point. I, I miss I miss being, you, you know, you mentioned drinking scotch and hanging out with people and talking. I miss, like I used to have a, a regular once a month hang with my buddies. This has been years now, but... <clears throat> where we would do just that, where we would like bring topics to the table and challenge each other's thinking. And it was just some of the most fruitful conversation no, awesome. in my life. You know, you just grow, you exactly. You, you start sharpen each other by challenging each other's thinking. For sure. So is numb, the song numb, not political then? Well, it's the thing with numb is I think that it goes back to the putting questions out there. There are certain things that like, uh, that I think are, it's, it's a certain perspective on, on what was going on during the quarantine and something that I'd seen happening over and over. There'd be someone in the news that, that, uh, that had committed a crime or allegedly committed a crime. And then before any information got out, that person will be vilified and uh, the sides were already chosen. It's like, okay, well, here's what this side's going to think. Here's what this guy's going to think. Now let's double down and dig in and, I mean, it would be like within 24 hours of something happening mm-hmm. and like one video of whatever happened. And uh, and I would just start seeing this every single day. And then the next week, there would be something else. And then last week's was just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that thing. I remember that thing. And these are huge things. It just seems like the news cycle would just change so quickly. And uh, I literally just kind of started getting numb to it. And I started wondering, like, man, that's weird. If you're just getting numb to these atrocities and these, this craziness of the world you know and i felt like it it, it led to a lot of self-examination and it, and it and it made me ask questions about the way i view things and um and so i kind of wanted to just bring all that to the table and let people kind of like discuss for themselves you know what that means i just think that song is about holding yourself uh, accountable because there's no one gets gets, gets off scot-free um, in that song, uh, everyone, everyone has got some burden, uh, or everyone has got something that they've got to deal with because we're all part of a society. We've all got a role in it. And so it's, uh, and even if you think sometimes that like, and you may be a hundred percent right about uh, a certain view 
that, that you want to get out into the world. But you've got to be really careful even how you put that out there, because if the net result is a negative for what you actually want to accomplish, then you've got to really fight off just the impulse of nature that we're really ingrained to have the socials and things like that. You've got to really go, OK, yeah, I want to say this because I'm pissed off right now and I just mm -hmm. want to like lash out. But what is the result of that going to be? Is it going to be people in my own echo chamber saying like, yeah, me too, you know, um, or is it, and is it going to turn off other people and create more division and it be a net loss? And if that's the case, you really got to step back and go, maybe I shouldn't like post this right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, because it's just all about, I'm a results guy. I like to, I like to think like, well, what's the result of that going to be? And if the results in that negative, even if you are right, even if you, really 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 feel it and you just you've got to you got to ask yourself like okay but what's this going to accomplish because it's it, it, ego starts taking over if it's just something wanting to and look everyone's guilty of it you know there's a thing everyone gets you know there'll be something going on you're pissed off especially in that moment you just want to just lash out you want other people to know that like yeah i i feel like that too and, and that's not always the worst thing people need to know they're not alone in their thoughts but but it really is just like, what's the net result of this? Is this going to be bettering the cause that I'm pushing? Or is it actually going to be a detriment to it? Or is it just going to muddy the waters more? And so that's kind of what it's about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, buddy, my Twitter drafts folder is just full of things I didn't fire off because <laughs> I did that, that exact thing and pause and went, are you just pissed off right now? There's also the flip side of that, interestingly enough, is... I've noticed this recently and I, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm just throwing it out there right now is that there's a certain social pressure, specifically social media pressure to if, and if you have a certain presence or if you have weighed in in the past to weigh in on issues um, in, in a way like I, recently I posted something about um, the Texas uh, abortion ban and my my friend sent me a message and said, thank you, you're only the second man to have done that. And I thought to myself like, huh, I guess I had a responsibility in some way to say something, but I'm not sure I processed it that way until she said something. So like weighing in when you when you feel like you have a responsibility to add your voice versus like weighing in just because you're pissed off. Now on that in that case, I had wanted to say something, but I had waited like three days <clears throat> and for that reason, cause I was like, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing here. I know what I believe here and I'm clear on it. Um, but I don't want to like say something that can be misconstrued or not add to the discussion. Right. That's the other thing is that if I, am I saying something just as a performative thing to say, or am I actually adding to the discussion? Um, and that balance can be very difficult to strike but you don't want to become totally numb, right? You don't want to become right. numb. You, you gotta, picking those, picking those battles can be very challenging. Let, I'm sorry, let me put him in his crate real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. Hey, 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 hey. He's still got a lot of puppy in him. <laughs> uh, you never got to apologize to a dog to me, man. I, I love dogs. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Same for me. Same for me. They're, they are the lights of my life, man. They just make everything so much better. And, and, and with, with quarantine, just getting to spend so much time with them. And then now that I ended up getting a job working from home as a result of the pandemic, which gave me even more time with them, which then improved my quality of life and their quality of life. You know, we take midday walks now, if the weather's not too hot, like today we went for 
probably a mile walk just in the middle of the day because I I could do it, you know. And it's just yeah. And then I came back and I was more productive because I felt great because I just got to take oh, my dogs for a walk. For sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, what you're saying the. Yeah, go ahead. I Sorry. think it's. Oh, you're right. The. Uh, yeah, I think. I. One thing I find really, <clears throat> really dangerous is the permanent, the permanent, the permanent record that is social media, um, because. If you, you know, people have views uh, that are and they are in that moment, absolutely certain with the information they have. And then a year later, something comes out and it's like, oh, shit, you don't think that way anymore. Um, But there's that record. So then so then you've got to really like overcome the ego element of saying like, yeah, I was just wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, for some reason in the last, you know, few years. It's, it's a sign of weakness to say like, I, yeah, I was just dead wrong on that mm-hmm. because you've got the social media thing piling on, like saying, ha, look at that. Mm-hmm. And that's a dangerous thing because if you can't ever change your mind on anything, that means that you're just hundred percent fully formed right now. Mm-hmm. Every view that you have is just the, the right one or whatever your first take on something. And like you said, things are so nuanced, um, but we're living in a world where people don't have the time for nuance. That's why I love these podcasts because you can really go in depth on things and discuss nuance and people can, um, you know, take with it, you know, a, a, a grander narrative than just something that's just a, a soundbite or something that people will just use to like try to embarrass you or make you or paint you into a certain ideological corner. And people are just more complicated than that. You know, people contain multitudes. There's a independent and situationally too. I mean, they're your core values, just basic, I mean, extremely core values that are, that are pretty rock solid, but a lot of these other things, it's like, well, tell me the situation, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I mean, I, I think that you can, it seems like everyone is so sure of things that they have no clue about these days and myself included. And I got to be really careful about the knee jerk reaction of, uh, that's why I'm not really on social media too much. I'm the same way. I, I kind of do a thing where like, I'll type something up and then I'll like look at it and I'll ask myself like, Hey, what are you hoping to accomplish with this? And it's like, well, if it's just to make you feel better right now, it's like, okay, we'll just delete it and move on. You know, how often is that the case? I mean, if I went through my drafts right now, I bet you 90% of them is me wanting to feel better. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. And, uh, and it, and ironically, it kind of does make me feel better just to type it out. Yeah. And then I just don't post anything, but, and it, it also, it also helps me to go like, well, what do you think about this? When you, sometimes if, I think you're probably like me, uh, you know, because I know you write a lot. And uh, so the written word takes on kind of a different uh, feel than the, the spoken. And so, like, sometimes when you just write things out and then read them back to yourself. It really helps kind of, like, solidify what you actually think about things because there are subconscious things that you type without even really thinking too much about it. And you go, like, oh, I use that word here, which tells me that, like, this is something that I've – it's a core – thing for me or or i use that word here which tells me that like yeah it's just kind of something i'm not really that concerned about but i'm just mad right now about it you know so true getting fresh eyes on the thing that you wrote sleeping on it and getting fresh eyes on it and seeing whether you it still you feel that same emotional reaction the next day to the thing and like you said i love how what you just said about the like the word choice that you use right like um i will half the time and my drafts are full of me cussing my governor and I, I will have the time look at it in the morning and be like, 
all right, maybe I should, I wasn't that mad. You know, maybe, maybe that, I, I disagree with him <laughs> and I, I could just say that, <laughs> or I could, you know, I could say this other thing that would get more attention, um, that would not be necessarily productive because it just is further solidifying the beliefs of people who think like me and not really changing anyone's mind. Well, but you are a writer, so you need to be interesting to <laughs> <laughs> yourself and you do want to, uh, you know, and then it becomes like, you know, are you writing for other people? Or are you writing for yourself? Because sometimes if you're writing for yourself, it's like, you know, all your inherent strengths and weaknesses. So it's like, oh, so if you get, did get a little bit impulsive on that part, it's like, that's right. It really appealed to me. Mm. Like it appeals to yourself at that point. So it's a different deal, whether you're writing kind of a uh, journal or diary or whether you're writing something for other people to consume. And sometimes the line can definitely be blurred, you know, and sometimes the best of it is the stuff that's blurred. You know, how aware of you, how aware are you of that with songs and with songs that you um, that you record and release? Uh, when it's really the best, the best stuff is whenever it's a, um, I'm just writing without thinking too much about it. Mm. Uh, it's funny because like my songs, I'll write in third person a lot, uh, but they're just as autobiographical as the stuff that would be in first person. Um, I remember I was talking to someone a really good friend once and they were saying like yeah man you should really just write some songs that are like just really just the bare bones about like your personal life and things like that and, and uh, i just wanted to be like man that's what i've been doing i just changed the characters um they're all all these characters there's elements of me in them and some of them there's like probably more me than i even know but uh hmm. it's weird because people you know how people can say sometimes like well, hey, speaking for, you know, because they'll look at like something that's like their attributes, you know, whether it's like their their skin color or their religion or their it could be their height or their gender or anything, any just like physical attribute that you can see. And they'll say, well, speaking for, you know, in my case, it'd be like, well, speaking for like a uh, an, an Irish, you know, American singer, songwriter, right handed, dark, <laughs> this and you really can't speak for anything more than just your individual self because people are more complicated than that. You can't just say like, Oh, well there's, there might be another, you know, right-handed Irish singer songwriter with dark hair that thinks totally opposite for me. So it's kind of irrelevant for me saying speaking from the perspective of this, because we're just all humans with totally different views. And honestly ask me tomorrow and my views will probably be different than they are today. So everyone's just kind of like learning what they're about i think every day we don't even know ourselves I, I think i don't think as well as we think we do so mm -hmm. sometimes i'll hear things in songs that i've written years before and i didn't totally understand and be like holy shit i was just writing about like me i just didn't realize it at the time you know and i think when it's working right you're not thinking too much about it you put in the work to understand the craft uh you've done all the work with the input and reading about other things and things that are that interest you and you've experienced life. And then when it's working right, you just output, you just like spill it on paper and see what comes out. And you realize later that it's, uh, that it how autobiographical something is. Gosh, and that's so interesting, man. And I can totally relate. I mean, in my own writing, how autobiographical. I sent a piece to a friend recently and asked her to read it. And uh, she's like, I thought it was going to be about this, you know, whatever the topic was. 
And uh, she goes, this is, this is just about you, <laughs> you know? And I, and I was like, yeah, I guess it, I guess it is. I mean, because that's, that's what I can speak to. And that's, that's what I know is that ex is my experience. And, and then in transparency specifically, it was in the wake of that Texas abortion law. And so it was me writing about like my evolution and understanding women's rights and getting my head around my beliefs and thoughts and feelings about all these things and how, how wrong I think I was for many, many years, like for growing up in the church and some of the attitudes that I had that uh, have been challenged and that I much later in life than I'm, I'm proud to admit had had a huge change in the way that I thought about things. Um, and, and, the, and immediately said, I, wow, I got to, I got to completely change my approach to this thing. So I wrote this piece and it, and I thought it was really good. And I sent it to her. She's like, yeah, it's good, but it's not really about abortion or women's rights. It's really about you. <laughs> and I, I mm. thought, well, you know what? I don't know if that's helpful or not. And so I, I shelved it and I think I'll eventually publish it once it's not such a hot button thing, because I think it would be helpful for me to have it out there. It would also be helpful for somebody else who may have had a similar experience or is going through a similar experience to be able to connect to it and make sense out of their own beliefs. But I did not expect for someone else to get their eyes on it and be like, that's not about what you think it's about. That's about you. Interesting. I, I, there's an expression. I don't know who said it. Um, did a all great art is autobiography mm. and uh and i don't know i would probably lean more towards saying that like i i would agree with that um to an extent in the to the extent that like um it's like you know with chefs like there will be a certain dish and then like a a more esteemed chef might say like man that's you on a plate you know uh, uh -huh. and i think in just about every artistic in, endeavor uh, i can't think of one at the moment that's not uh under him agrees with me yeah that's nonsense yeah that's nonsense. oh yeah, yeah, nonsense. yeah. <clears throat> but um conundrums in his crate he's in timeout you just call him ken what you call him ken everything <laughs> no he just people ask that like we just we say the we we, we say the whole thing and you got to say it in a certain cadence for him to make sure that he's he's a sweet boy but he's you know Nonsense is a genius. Like she's right. super smart. Conundrum, on the other hand, bless his heart, is just a wrecking <laughs> ball. That's funny, man. Yeah, I think I think to an extent there is a. I mean, you've got to you've got to be willing to lay yourself out there for whatever the art is. You know, whether it's a, you know, and maybe 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 every art is trying to mirror the essence of the of the artist. You know, to to the greatest extent that that uh, and and uh, and it's it's interesting how. To me, the interesting thing is things that I didn't realize there'd be lots under they meant, but they just felt so right. Dang them, and and you know, fighter, you'll go back and edit, and I'm I'm editing, fighter, record, and then if I like here later, hold, hold on, dude, I'm so sorry, you're cutting out because because their barking is taking yeah. over the microphone. Nice. Let, me, let me see what I can do about that. When we used to do these at venues, it'd be like the house music or the crowd that would be the issue. And now my dogs are the, are the audio challenge. No worries. <clears throat> Sorry, no you were cutting in and out and I was only hearing pieces. Can you back up a little bit? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think what we were really. 
we were talking about we you we were talking about I, I was just talking about how that piece that I wrote and how it ended up being oh. about me and and you were kind of you, you started to talk <clears throat> about like um I think when you were cutting out you were talking about the editing process a little bit yeah I'm someone that will like edit my songs right up until the time I record them then even even like if it's a year later if I find something's a little bit better put I'll change it I just songs to me never are never finished mm. they're just living thing um and so I just think that uh songs in that way are like are like people it, it constant work in progress and so you've got to always be kind of figuring out the best way to say something or get a message across uh the message that you want to get across then hopefully it, it reflects the artist in a way that their essence is expressed through that. And uh, like, if you take like William Faulkner, for example, like and a lot of my songs are usually about like three different songs kind of overlaid on each other. Uh, I get real bored with, 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 uh, with just the literal or just the linear um, song. And uh, so like a lot of my, so like William Faulkner, for example, there's the literal story which is the, uh, which is the former Confederate soldier, you know, family that, you know, slave owners, uh, then falls in love with a former slave and then they have a kid, right? So that's, and then, the, and, you know, I don't want to give away too much of the song, but I guess at this point it's like, and uh, so to me, it's just like, that's just a story of like this person's wild existence so to speak you know um but that's also william faulkner the character in the song is also america it's the same it's the same thing it's the birth of it's a birth of this new america um you know post-civil war america and all of the uh the blood and and uh and death and and, and suffering that that came about before that um, so it's, it's essentially two songs. You could, you could say, my name's America, you know, right at the beginning and, and hear the whole song in that way. Uh, everything represents something else, you know, whether it's the old South or whether it's, uh, you know, overcoming, you know, uh, you know, past sins. It's about redemption. It's about what we're going through forward. You know, he'd be, he would be the, he would be the son of a, of a slave owner and a slave you know, and moving in, moving into the, uh, moving into the future, um, with all of the, all of the baggage and all of the, uh, and all of the, in a sense, pride mixed with renewal and, uh, and acceptance and, uh, moving forward in that. So it's, it's essentially, there's at least three things that there's at least three songs in that one and the literal and then that interpretation there, are, that's what I'd be most comfortable in. And the third one, I'll leave that out there for, because I don't want to just like, you know, I don't want to talk songs too much to death about what they're about and things like that. But, but um, I, all of my songs are usually, there's usually about three different songs kind of on top of each other because I just get really, like I said, I get really bored with strictly the literal. Now, sometimes strictly the literal uh, is perfectly fine. And in modern music, it's actually probably the preferred method. I mean, fancy like is strictly literal. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, a lot of modern country, well, a lot of modern TikTok type songs are strictly literal because they're made to be put to video and things like that. Um, I love songs like, uh, you know, if you look at like A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, which is one of my favorite songs, a Dylan song, 
you could say like this song is about the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, and it makes sense. Or you could say this song is about like redemption and similar to the way that like William Faulkner is in the second half. Um, this song is about a hero's journey. You know, these are it's it's multiple songs kind of wrapped up on top of it. And the more the more depth of uh, meaning and the more layers um, to me is what I really get excited about when I hear songs. That's probably why that's my favorite song. Uh, and uh, so that's the type of strong songs that I strive to write are songs that they're not they're not political uh, and they're uh, they're just they're just. Because I think ultimately people aren't really that political. I think people ultimately have views depending on the situation and the time that are all over the map. And I think that it's just other people that try to put us in these boxes. Are you, when you're writing a song, you're sitting on the front porch, you got your whiskey and you're uh, and writing a song or your back porch, wherever you're at. And when you're writing that song, are, are you aware of those layers in the moment or did those layers reveal themselves later? Well, Steinbeck is probably my favorite writer. Uh, said that like the best ones are when you're not, when you don't know what the metaphor is mm. when you're just writing things that are you know true to life and you realize later it's like we were saying earlier that like songs are more autobiographical than you think um so you wouldn't necessarily write the metaphor but i think that when you become aware of it at some point you can definitely kind of uh you can definitely sprinkle it with things that strengthen you know the the the, the second layer of the song you know, or the third layer of the song, depending on how far deep you go into it. Um, and then realize what you're doing. But then the thing is, when you realize what you're doing, you don't want to, you know, or you don't want to, uh, you want to just kind of let it continue to, to happen. Um, you might tweak a, a word here and there because you feel like, you know, this word is too specific to this one situation and it, it's going to throw off the second, second level of meaning on the song. So maybe I'll use this other word instead. And uh, I did that with numb. There were a few words where it was just like, if you get that specific about it, then you're going to lose your second level of meaning on it mm. uh, or your third level of meaning on it. And so I think that like the initial right, I would say is probably the you're writing literally just because you feel something and you're just going off instinct when you start realizing that like, and I'm not even really writing about this person I'm writing about or this topic or I'm writing about me, then you might, you might tweak it a few things that like uh keep both of the uh keep both of the uh meanings intact um but i think at some point you know you just gotta it's just gotta be so much a matter of just doing it and eating sleeping and breathing it where it just most of the time it just happens and you realize later that like holy shit i was writing about me again what do you know <laughs> yeah. artistic you know author which is funny with them because that was kind of the uh you know if you're gonna call out and say that like at least pose the question that like how many causes especially nowadays is there a sincere motivation to be a part of that cause because you want change in the world that, that you view as positive good change or that you want the credit um, from other people in your tribe to say like yeah you're like a great virtuous person and how much of it does it kind of become ego at some point um, but if you're going to roll, if you're going to roll that ball out into the, or that toy out into the crib for people to play with, you've got to, you've got to look at yourself in the exact same way. And I have to ask myself the question, like, if no one ever heard this song, 
or, or put it a different way. If this song came out and a lot of people heard it and it meant something to him, but you had to put anonymous as the writer, would you write that song? Mm. Or would your ego say like, no, what's the point? I want people to know that I wrote that song, you know? Oh, and, wow. and that's what I think that it's the same way I view like a lot of, a lot of causes, you know, some of them great, some of them, uh, not so great you know it's, it's i mean there's a lot of causes out there these days but and so you've got to ask yourself like okay well how much is this about me and how much is it really about the cause because it's hard to and we're humans so we're going to be you know we're going to be our ego is going to be involved at some point but as a writer you've got to ask yourself that if i'm writing a song that means something to someone else do am i really doing it because i think someone could hear this song about alcoholism and actually like it might help them or maybe make them feel comfortable or comforted and, uh, and actually be a positive influence. But it's like, okay, but what if they didn't know you wrote it? It's like, Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe I should do something people know about me, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe something's like they would advance me, you know? And, and so I try to check myself. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it, I will say though, it's, it's not real hard for me because if there was no money in music, which there's, you know, there's not a, there's not a lot, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining. You can make a living playing music and I've been blessed to do it. Um, but uh, I would be doing it anyway. You know, I just, I write because when I'm, when I'm really in the throes of it, I just feel like it's what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I just feel a passion, a fire and, uh, and I get excited about it. And so it's like, it's not hard for me to do that, but I do have to check myself, particularly if there's songs that could be construed as making any type of social commentary. It's like, okay, well, make sure that you're trying to just ask questions and not interject too much of your own views in it, because that's going to come out anyway. You can't help it. Everyone's biased. Every journalist is, every journalist to an extent is biased. Every, uh, you know, everyone's going to have their own per, their point of view. That is, that's okay. That's fine. That's what humans are. You, you can't, anyone that has no point of view on anything uh, is and says they have no point of view is just lying about it or that it doesn't influence their work. Of course it does. You know, that's how, and that's okay. Um, but it's just like there's a difference between like uh, reporting things from a, from an objective view and reporting things because you've got an, an agenda, you know, but honestly, news has always had an agenda. I mean, and news has always been uh, coming from uh, biased sources because people are biased. They're going to have their views. Mm-hmm. It'd be very strange if someone said, well, I don't really have an opinion on anything, but I but I write about stuff. It's like, well, really? Yeah. How do you have no opinion on anything? You don't want a music critic that really doesn't like any music more than other music he, they're gonna have opinions you know it's mm-hmm. like that's fine that's human it's okay to accept that with people and just go like we're fallible or we've got different views you know i just think when people present themselves as one thing and then do something else then people get a little bit suspect about it but you know it, it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to like have opinions it's okay to say yeah i am biased i like i don't like you know I, I could say like i don't like modern country music but you know what that's okay i could well, I don't know if I could write about it, I, but I'm not a journalist, so I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, I could write about it. I just choose not to. I'd rather write <laughs> about like Tennessee Jet Records and stuff. But um, the you know recognizing those biases and and acknowledging that some of them are implicit biases that you that are not necessarily explicit biases is so important and such hard work to be able to look at yourself and go like. Wow, I've I mean I, I've been doing a lot of this unpacking recently. Uh, specifically, I'm lucky to have a great therapist who helps me unpack all of this. But <clears throat> overcoming the biases of the place I grew up 
and the things that were a part of my life for the first 20 years of my life that were just accepted. And now I'm, you know, I'm 40. So that's half my life that all of these biases that I now recognize as unhealthy were ingrained in me. And now I have to do the hard work of unpacking and it, and it is work, but it's necessary work. A lot of that stuff wasn't explicit bias. You know, it was implicit things that I didn't even recognize, you know? And so being able to recognize, like doing the heavy lifting of recognizing some of those implicit biases and then working on those is, is hard and it's humbling too. That's the other thing is you got to admit that like, wow, you've said or done this thing or felt this thing or thought this thing that you now recognize as something you don't, that you're not okay with. That's pretty difficult. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's like maybe the most maybe the uh, most difficult thing that uh, that people are going through right now because I mean, just in, I guess if, to a broader scope of that, it, of just having to realize that like you're constantly seeking and everyone's constantly seeking, and so it's like if there's a um, we're going to be influenced. You know, I think that I think the biggest thing, the biggest, the best thing someone could do is travel mm. uh, just go and see other other people other cultures um and talk to people uh, from it you know and get get out of your comfort zone and let that shake you up a little bit um there are going to be certain things that that you are not only still believe but you believe even stronger because it was just like solidified there's going to be other views that you are totally the opposite on when you get mm. out there but you've got you know in, in terms of but you've got to go out there and like see the world and see uh and see uh, in people that aren't like you you know, um, and there, how else could you learn? You know, you, it's not in it, it. And honestly, how else would you even know? It's not even you almost like can't even be held accountable if that's the only experience that you have. Giving yourself um, grace to accept that, like you did not know any better. That's a hard thing, too, sometimes. Yeah, but it's just a matter of like, how could you even possibly know? And that's what I was saying is when people have a record of that, I mean, some of the stuff that I said, you know, when I was like in high school, just because I didn't know any better. I mean, I'm glad there's not social media because I did shit. I didn't, you know, I, now I look at it and I go like, I don't even recognize like, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, it's just like, like any, any idiot says like, you know, or, or would say or, or view or anything like, it's just like, you've got to, uh, you've got to have the ability to go like, Whoa, I was an idiot, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> or, you know, and, uh, I do it and, every day. <laughs> Oh man, like if you, but but with social media now, it's like no, you better be damn perfect from the time you are out of the womb, and and it's just like, and and to me, it's just like that's the thing that's like it's like no one's redeemable anymore. It's just like if you made a mistake, it's like, which is like well, good luck because it's like everyone everyone is is done or said things or had embarrassing situations um, that they look back on now and don't even recognize who they were. But the, I think the thing is to like acknowledge and uh, improve and move on. You know, that's the that's the that's but it's harder with social media because of that record because there will be someone that'll throw it up in your face and saying like now you can't say that because look at this tweet that you made a year ago it's like well that tweet that i made a year ago i was pissed off because of this situation and i said this and didn't realize there was a little more nuance to it and and uh or and frankly it's like you know i was maybe i'd had a few drinks that night and i was just kind of like and so i don't know i just uh there's no one that I wouldn't sit down and talk with 
I mean, people that people would consider like radicals or extremists on either side that I wouldn't sit down. Um, I mean, I'm not inviting people to come over to my house and like talk about shit, you know, if I, but if I was someone to like, if, you heard it if, here if, first, everybody, Tennessee Jets inviting <laughs> you over to talk shit. <laughs> exactly. But it's like, but you know, it's like, if you won't talk to people that have even radical, crazy views, then you're basically saying that like this person is not redeemable because nothing I can say to them is going to, is going to be a positive influence, which means that like, they're just a worthless human being and there's nothing redeemable about them. And got to be careful when you start making accusations like that, because, you know, you got to ask yourself, you know, if I do something that I don't feel is redeemable, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I believe that everyone is redeemable and that, uh, and you've got to, and, and, and you can't, you know, as soon as you start judging people so harshly, they're not redeemable and, and, and can't forgive people for things, then you got to really ask yourself if you're forgivable for things that you've done, or if you were to do something that just seems totally abhorrent, was well, your life just over at that point, you know, or can you actually maybe come through it? I mean, a lot of people in history have done some pretty heinous things and become a totally different person in the second half of their life that like, because they did those heinous things, they had a perspective and, and an understanding um, of what the world is like and how evil people can be because they've been that evil. Mm. Um, and they've come through it. And, uh, and sometimes you need the real world example. And sometimes the best, the best cause, uh, the best uh, people that can uh, influence things in a positive way are the people that have done the most negative things. Wow, yeah. Man, that's such a great point. The, the idea that like, having had that experience allows you once you once your mind is changed, and your heart is changed, allows you to have even maybe even more empathy um, on both sides of whatever that issue is. I mean, thinking about like, yeah, I mean, I can relate to that so much. Some of the, the attitudes and beliefs that I had as a young person that I now just find abhorrent, but I can also understand yeah. where people are coming from that are thinking that way. And so using that in a way to have meaningful conversations with people rather than using it as like, um, a badge of honor in some way, you know, that like, Hey, I'm not like that anymore. Or the opposite, which is to, to beat yourself up about having attitudes that you now don't hold. You know? But I think it's powerful and an awesome, awesome <laughs> for, for positivity, because you can say like, man, I was you, mm. I was just firm and just as tried in my views as you, as you are, maybe, you know, maybe more so, uh, but, um, and, and let me just tell you, like, what I think now, if, if it's something that, like, makes sense to you, is someone that's, like, been in your shoes, then great. If not, then uh, yeah, we can still be friends. It's cool. But it's just, like, um, but to know, to actually, there's there's knowing because you've read it in a book and there's knowing because you've, like, been the character in the book, you know. And it's just, like, I don't know. I just, if this record, uh, if this record you know, means anything to people like, or if there's an me overall message to this record, I, I would just say it's like, you know, we're, we're all should be held to account in some way and we're all working on things and there's redemption for everybody. And like the, there's good in everybody, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of finding that good in people and, uh, or finding that good in yourself. Cause sometimes people get so down on themselves and it's just like, you got to remember, it's just like, it's okay to like, you know, it's okay to fuck up and it's okay to have done and said things whenever you were like, you know, a dumb, you know, kid or, or, or even last year or even yesterday and go like, mm -hmm. you know what, I'm changing things today. Because if we don't start, because if everyone takes that view, then we might overall as a community, um, 
get better and start and 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 start empathizing with other people more so in their plights. And uh, you know, I think we've got to we've got to feel good about ourselves. In order to feel good about ourselves, we've got to like get over our own personal issues before we go out and solve the world's problems. You know, for sure, man. And that spirit comes through in this record and these characters. There's a lot to learn from them. I, I tweeted last night one that I didn't leave in my drafts about like I was sitting on in the backyard with the dogs and <clears throat> enjoying a glass of wine, listening to the record and writing down notes. And it just keeps because the characters are so rich, it keeps revealing more each time I listen. There's just a lot there. Um, and the, 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 the stories are complex. There's a lot to these characters. And it's something that we've we've grown to appreciate about your writing over the years. This one, like I said, feels like the that 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 um, quality of your writing, the fact that you have such rich characters and that these characters are so flawed but redeemable, that that comes through in this setting. And so, you know, I'm so grateful for this record, and I'm so excited for folks to hear it, man. Yeah, man, me too. I think it's one. I- I think it's a record that I really felt like it was something that I would hope that someone would sit down and listen to from front to back and kind of uh, absorb it as, as, as a whole idea and like almost more like a movie um, mm. because it's, it's definitely more of a personal conversation. You know, I wanted this record to be like a conversation. That was part of the reason why we just, you know, recorded it in a way that was very dry um, I recorded the songs in lower keys than I made to put them more in a conversational uh, element. And, uh, and hopefully they'll, they'll get out of it. That there's a, there's a journey that's going on from just the, uh, that starts from the beginning of all the craziness, which was like me being basically burnt out and uh, like a lot of musicians, but I'm, I'm the type of person that like, if there's work out there, I'm going to keep working, you know, mm. I'll make it full of sunshine, so to speak. But, but, we uh but yeah i was pretty burnt out at the be at, at the beginning of this just from touring a lot and just overnight drives and and, and things of this sort so south dakota kind of starts like that um but then you but then you realize that like man i kind of miss these overnight drives and these like truck stop shitty coffees and bad hotels and stuff because when you can't do it you know and then the middle of the record is really more of just kind of like the heart of the the crux that started this all um you know and by the end of the record, I hope that people feel there's a redemptive quality to it. Um, and there's just an overall message for everybody. It's, it just doesn't matter your political party or, or any of that sort. It's just really about just like uh, humanity and just like hoping that like uh, we'll continue we'll, or we'll go down a path that'll uh, lead to positive change. And I mean, it's probably, there's probably some, there's probably cynicism throughout the record, um, at least the middle part of it. But the, uh, by the end of the record, I hope that people feel like, yeah, this is a real thing that we've got to confront. This is serious, but I'm going to go back out. You know, I was like Dylan. The reason I love Hard Rain's going to fall so much is because he's talking about how shitty things are everywhere. Um, but but the last verse is what does it for me. If he just ended it before the last verse, it would have been a good song, but it would have been a major downer. But the last verse of that song is, but I'm going back out before the rain starts falling. It's like, you know what? Yeah, it's shitty. But what am I going to do about it? I'm going to go out and do something about it. I'm going to go live it. I'm going to go experience it. And uh, I wanted this record to kind of be in that way too. It's like, yeah, it's, it's tough times, but like, let's go out there and just like, you know, learn from it and grow from it and uh, move forward. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. We always, uh, we always end on what you're getting down on. You just mentioned Dylan, what art has you inspired right now, what you've been listening to or a film you've seen or a book you've read that's got you fired up some kind of art that's got you inspired. Well, I don't know what it would be. It would be <clears throat> it's funny. I don't know if it would be as, as much gets me fired up, but, uh, well, it's not the best time right now to read George Orwell or Ray Bradbury. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but I, so I, I, I've read a few things like that just from a perspective of, uh, of, uh, of control and just trying to, trying to, because I, I'd never read Bradbury before. And, uh, mm. and it's a heavy read too. the guy, uh, the it's, it's heady for sure. Um, but, uh, I don't know, you know, I'm always, I get just as fired up by just the, you know, the things I experience. I mean, Steinbeck's my favorite. Um, and uh, musically, I tend to gravitate towards a lot of the same things over and over. Um, hmm. But yeah, man, I don't. It's a good question. I don't. It's the same stuff that has always been, and it's in stuff that's never been as well. <laughs> Fahrenheit 451 is my favorite, uh, maybe my favorite book of all time. Um, so love, dark. Love Bradbury, but that's yeah, so heavy. My, I was thinking, I, I was thinking about this recently. I've uh, several times I brought it up. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now to see how many um, of those kind of like dystopian authoritarian sort of books I've read. And I, I was saying the other day, like, I don't know whether, cause I read them all in, in my twenties. And I'm like, I don't know if reading all those books prepared me for the present moment or like makes me more aware and more freaked out in the present moment, because I did read all those books and I went on a run of them where I was obsessed and I read, you know, every single damn one of them. And I haven't read one in a while. I did reread Sinclair Lewis's It Can't Happen Here which um, came up on the last episode of The Marinade because of Nathan Bell's record, Red, White, and American Blues. It can happen here, um, which was inspired by that title. But I haven't done it recently, and I don't know if I could stomach it right now to pick up some of those books again. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's like uh, Salinger's, you know, like is not great to read right now either um, because everywhere you you look, you see phonies. It's just, it's like, it's not a good mindset to be in. It's like, there's gotta be some, there's gotta be, there's, uh it's like okay cool it's like you get we get that it's like but you you know if you but i don't know i think if you went through that thing you realize it's there but uh i think inherently humans just understand whenever things are not feeling right i think mm. we that's just our instinct and uh yeah crazy times i just i'm always just trying to i'm honestly not a great reader because my mind wanders so much i'll finish a page and I don't know what the hell I just, I'll finish five pages, not know what the hell I just read if my mind starts thinking about something else. So I've got to really read things slowly or else re read things where I kind of know where it's going, like by reading a, you know, a short version of it first. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I don't know. It's all over the place really right now. <laughs> well, that's, there's something to be said for that too, man. Thank you so much for your time. This was so as I figured it would be, it was another delight. And I'm so grateful that, that you thought of us and that we, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate the platform and your listeners to, to talk about the record and uh, hopefully they dig it. It's always, it's always good to uh, answer your questions. Cause I know they're going to be like well thought out and nuanced. And so it's like, uh, I enjoy it. I was looking forward to it. Good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. All right, man. Well, enjoy that Oklahoma fall and uh, <laughs> we'll talk soon, man.
Enjoy Minnesota. See you, man. All right. <laughs> see you. Now, I can't say for sure that a cause ain't just a vessel for adoration and attention and respect on some level. Beware the nonconformist, says the drugstore rebels. The vanity makes angels of our cleverest devils. Would you even write the story? If the author was a mansion, hold yourself to such a standard Is your belief in suspension Maybe something good will come No matter your intentions God save us from ourselves We're in need of intervention Tennessee Jet, y'all. Thank you so much, TJ. Thank all of you for listening. TennesseeJet.com for all things Tennessee Jet, including that wonderful record, South Dakota. MarinadePodcast.com for all things the Marinade. That'll include written pieces, photography, our online store, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support the marinade and what we're doing. And if you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community, where for just a few bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade, as well as what I'm getting down on, which is the art that's inspiring me at the moment. Um, Sometimes we get together for Patreon happy hours. It's just a good time. So if you can swing it, we'd love to have you over there. Um, If not, all those free things are so helpful for us. And above all, just thank you so much for listening and for spreading the word about the marinade. All right, y'all, it's time for our review under two, where I review some work of art that has me fired up in under two minutes. For this, I'm going to do something a little bit different. This is our first review under two focused on a music festival. My good friend, the wonderful photographer, Jen Ross, and I attended Orange Blossom Review in Lake Wales, Florida, and had an absolute blast. Legend has it a local Indian chief once fought an alligator to the death in Lake Wales, Florida. As the story goes, if you put your car in neutral at the bottom of nearby Spook Hill, As your death machine rolls backward, it will appear as though you're actually traveling uphill rather than down. Make sense? We're sitting at the foot of Spook Hill just before heading to the Orange Blossom Review, a two-day festival boasting headliners the Wood Brothers and Blackberry Smoke, along with headline-worthy artists like Devin Gilfillian, Hayes Carl, and the Steel Drivers. We follow the directions on the garish sign marking this hallowed spot, pull up to the line, put the car in neutral, and marvel at the magic that ensues. My creative partner, Jen Ross, drops the car in neutral, the vessel begins to roll backward, and it feels like a car in neutral rolling backward. Life during the COVID-19 pandemic has felt like a trip to Spook Hill. Build up an excitement for what is around the corner just to feel like a car rolling downhill and back from whence it came. Truth felt like fiction, and fiction closer to truth. The Orange Blossom Review Festival in Lake Wales, Florida, just about a mile from Spook Hill, bucked this trend. Rather than feeling like a car rolling downhill, Orange Blossom Review was more akin to a drive down the Pacific Coast Highway. Gorgeous scenery all around with the windows down, not a care in the world. The healing power of music acting as a coupler to hold frayed parts of society together for two glorious days. After a quick glance around Lake Wales, Florida, one would be forgiven for thinking this was little more than the birthplace of Florida man. There's the end-time Christian School of Excellence, a bevy of flags supporting the 44th 
45th president, a handful in favor of the long-defunct Confederate States of America, and more than a few indications that the messages of folks like Hayes Carl and the Steel Drivers may not be welcome around these parts. And yet, it all made so much sense. Everyone checked their bullshit at the gate to enjoy a rush of performances by artists on top of their game. The lineup fitting within the parameters of the Americana genre, while stretching from the blues influence of Gilfillian to the heady lyrics of Carl, jumping up against the grooves of the Wood Brothers, and venturing into the mass appeal of Blackberry Smoke. Orange Blossom Review was an intimate festival in a forgotten part of the world. For those two days, Lake, Will- Lake Wales and the Orange Blossom Review allowed attendees and artists to pause and be entertained by some of the finest musicians in Americana. A strong lineup with no scheduling conflicts and a low, bright burn of beautiful performances. That's my review under two for the Orange Blossom Review. That festival is going to be taking place uh, the same first weekend in December um, next year. Mark your calendars, y'all. What a great time. Um, go out and get a copy of Tennessee Jets, South Dakota, marinadepodcast.com if you want to read my review under two of that particular beautiful work. Again, thank all of you so much for listening. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.